filler in business books and audiobooks takes up time that you don't have. You're here because you want the golden nuggets from each book without all the BS. The more you learn, the more power you have to affect the world around you. This is the Cut the Crap Podcast. Never read a book again. And here's your host, Ryan Calagiri. What's going on, everybody? Thank you so much for joining me on another episode of Cut the Crap Podcast, where week after week I'm condensing business books down to their core golden nuggets, saving you time from having to read the book yourself. So had a long week last week, um, just ran through a conference and some long, um, long days, long days. So I was planning the conference along with two other colleagues of mine and the conference went fantastic. It was great. It was one of the first conferences that we did focused really on agile methodologies and different ways in terms of how to manage your projects, how to approach developing new products, new services. It's a great conference, really happy to do it. And while doing this conference, I spoke with an individual who I haven't talked with in quite some time, Joel Seminiak. And uh, I got talking with Joel, and he told me about a book that he really loved um, and something that had an impact on him. And that book was The Startup Owner's Manual, The Step-by-Step Guide for Building a Great Company. So after talking to Joel about this book, I realized, you know what, I haven't read this before. It sounded interesting, so I went and picked it up, and the book was 600 pages long. Dear God. So I spent the entire week reading this book and uh, it was it was a good read. It was very detailed and a little bit too much detail. But um, I really figured that this was an interesting book because there's a lot of people out there who are starting up businesses. And as they start up businesses, they're investing so much time, so much money into innovations that they don't even know are going to work in the marketplace. It's a hypothesis that they're putting way too much investment in up front. So some of the stories that Joel told me, I'm going to share with you guys on Thursday. But before we get to that, I'm going to share with you the golden nuggets that I took from the Startup Owner's Manual. By the way, that book is by Steve Blank and Bob Dorf, if anyone wants to look it up. But without further ado, let's just crack right into this one. I took three golden nuggets away from this book. I know, 600 pages long and only three golden nuggets. Like I said last week, I'm not trying to deconstruct the entire book here. That's not the goal. If I was to do that, we'd be here for maybe about two hours. It's not my intention. My intention is to take away the most powerful golden nuggets that I took from it. And I'm going to share those golden nuggets with you, the ones that stand out the most. And hopefully, you're able to take them and use them in your business, in your personal life, in your career, whatever it is. All right? But let's crack right into this one right now. Golden nugget number one, develop your customer first through discovery. Now, the first step in customer development is discovery. This is where you take your initial vision and start breaking down the elements into individual hypotheses that you'll then test with real potential customers. Based on the feedback that you get from those customers, you then have to prove your hypothesis as either a pass or a fail. Pretty simple. Once you determine if it's a pass or a fail, you then have to adjust your hypotheses to account for this market feedback. So again, you run your hypothesis out there, you test it with potential customers, you learn different feedback, whether it's through surveys, again, probably one of the most popular methods, getting them to actually use your product or service. Once you get that feedback, you have to build that into your new hypotheses to adjust for your learnings. So once you have your hypotheses at this stage, at this stage, you have to develop what's called a minimal viable product, an MVP. Now, the reason you're developing your MVP is to show your potential customers so they can give you better feedback, more feedback. Now, if you guys actually remember back to episode 22 of Cut the Crap Podcast, we cover the book, The Lean Startup. And in The Lean Startup, we talk about the idea of the MVP. 
I would highly suggest you go back and listen to episode 22 after you listen to this episode because both of these approaches, both of these books are extraordinarily similar to one another. So I'd highly recommend you go back and you listen to that. But let's get back to this one. So minimal viable product. Now, the development of your first product, it should be restricted to the bare minimum features that will convince your potential customers to pay for your product or service. Now, this is so incredibly important because what happens too often, I see this all the time, is organizations putting thousands upon thousands, tens upon thousands, hundreds of thousands, sometimes in many cases millions of dollars into products that they have yet to test with the marketplace. You have to develop your minimal viable product first and then test it with your marketplace. Learn, but learn cheap. Don't put too much investment in. Fail fast, fail cheap. If you determine that, you know what, this product is just not going to fly. This service, this offering, it's not going to fly. At least you didn't put too much money into it. Customer discovery is a process of taking your hypothesis, conducting an experiment, and then making a decision on your future actions based on the results of that experiment. So you only move to the next stage of customer development once you have found a market and found a fit for your product or service. If you feel like you haven't gathered enough clear evidence of product or market fit, you simply start the process over again to find an opportunity worth pursuing. The second critical stage of customer discovery is to not focus so much on the building of the thing. Instead, you need to understand the problems of your potential market. This process takes your MVP and discovers whether your vision will solve the problems of your target market. This is such an important point. So many people today, they want to build, for example, mobile applications, and yet they just have a great idea. Cool. Stop focusing on the building of the actual app and start focusing on what problems it solves, what utility it provides. This is such an important factor that a lot of people just don't remember and something that most people just don't do. It's so important though. In the last phase of customer discovery, you continue to gather customer and market data and you assimilate all of that data and learnings to come to some really hard conclusions. Customer discovery, it's an iterative process to finding product and market fit, customers and a business model. So if you reach the end of customer discovery without solid answers to these key areas, you simply have to start again and use what you've learned so far to alter your approach. Golden nugget number two, validate your customer. So once you've successfully completed customer discovery, it's now time to move on to customer validation. The customer validation is the process of making the first sale and refining your proposition and positioning before scaling the company. Now it's during this phase that you begin to sell your product, your MVP to your customers. During customer discovery, you found a big enough problem to solve and found early evangelist customers who are looking for a solution. Now these early evangelists, these are your early adopters. So during the customer validation period, you need to begin selling your MVP to these early adopters and start to build a repeatable and scalable sales roadmap. Now, just because you're a customer validation and you're selling your product, that doesn't mean you're there yet. This is still an intense period of learning, experimenting, and testing your hypotheses to find solid, concrete evidence and answers. You need to be getting out of the office to find, interact, and talk with potential customers so that you can build a repeatable process to sell your product, your service, your offer, whatever it is, once you reach the end of customer validation. Customer validation is very hard. It's very hard because it forces you to get results. You need to take the assumptions of how you'll get, keep, and grow customers and prove that these are viable strategies. You need to be continually talking to potential customers and you need to keep on refining what you're learning to get more specific answers for your future customer creation strategy. 
Now, in the final stage of customer validation, this is probably the hardest part of the whole customer development process. This is now where you have to objectively look through all of the data and information that you've collected so far and make a decision on whether you pivot or whether you proceed. Are customers desperate for your product or are you struggling to make sales? Are you solving an important enough problem? Do you have a clear enough way of acquiring customers to satisfy your revenue projections? At this point in time, you have to make a decision on what you're going to do with your product. By going to market and selling it, you're going to understand whether or not the customer wants this or not. If they're not buying, if they're not interested, then guess what? You might have to pivot and you might have to provide a different benefit. You might have to change something in your product or your service or your offer in order to drive more value that's going to resonate with your target market. Now, if there are any lingering doubts about your future strategy or your product or your service, now is the time to turn back and go through this process all over again. All would-be entrepreneurs will be desperate to just forge ahead. Now, we put so much time and effort in, we have to go at it. That doesn't work. If you do this, you're very likely going to go down a path of failure. It's way easier, way easier to redo the process and refine the areas of your business that aren't quite right yet than it is to fail miserably and fail in an expensive, expensive fashion. I'll tell you right now, like I said earlier in the last Golden Nugget, I know a lot of companies that have put too much money into product development and developing new services, new offers. And if they had just taken a step back for a mere moment and looked at what they had, all the data, and confronted reality in the fact that our customers don't want this, they'd be far better off. Sometimes you need to take a step back to take two steps forward. And last but certainly not least, golden nugget number three. It's 10 times cheaper to keep a customer than it is to acquire a customer. Now, I absolutely love this golden nugget because it's very simple. You don't need to do a lot of things in order to keep your customers. There are a few tactics that you can put into place right away to help you increase the chances of you not only keeping your current customers, but also growing within those customer bases. So why don't we just cut right into it and go into some of these tactics. Number one. Customer check-in calls. Put together a plan to call every customer or every fifth customer, every third customer, whatever it is. Just make sure you're putting a plan in place to contact your customers once a month or once a quarter simply to thank them for their business and see how they like your product, your service, or your offer. Now, while you have them on the phone, probe for questions they have about the product, about features, about functions. Over time, target at least 15% improvement in repeat sales or renewals from customers you've talked to. And by the way, email. It's a poor substitute for this tactic. I want you to use a telephone or Skype or face-to-face to do this. Number two, launch a customer satisfaction survey. Whether on the web or by email, by mail, plan to check in with your customers about their use of and satisfaction with the product or service that you're offering them. Probe for complaints or lack of use and reach out to anybody who expresses problems. Now with this tactic, look for at least 15% reduction in churn from those who've been contacted. Number three, send product or service update bulletins. Now, very simple, create a simple tip sheet and user notes on how customers are making the most of your product or the most of your services or the most of your systems. Send them to all your users and offer a prize for users whose tips are published later on. Now, this is a difficult one to measure precisely, but fairly inexpensive to implement. Number four, monitor customer service issues. So customers who complain frequently are most likely to churn. So get proactive with these customers, fix their problems and make them happy. Far fewer complainers should actually leave if they've had their problems addressed. 
And last but certainly not least, number five, customer lock-in and high switching costs. If it's relatively easy for your customers to switch from your products to your competitors, you'll probably have a very high churn rate. You may want to consider tactics for locking in your customers to your product or solution through long-term contracts, unique technology, or data that can't easily be transferred. Try putting one of these five into place to keep your customers and keep your customers happy and to keep delivering value to your customers. Because remember, it's 10 times cheaper to keep your customers than it is to go out and acquire new ones. While you do need to acquire new ones, make sure you're taking care of the ones that you already have. All right, there we have it, my friends. There's the Startup Owner's Manual, the step-by-step guide for building a great company. Now, I both love this book and I hate this book. I love this book because it very clearly outlines to anybody who's interested in having an idea and turning it into a product or service or an offer or system, whatever it is, they lay out very clearly how you can do that. The reason I hate this book, though, is because it goes into so much detail. You could have cut the crap on the majority of this book. 608 pages? Are you kidding me? Come on. That's overkill. My preference, actually, is episode 22, The Lean Startup. That book, in my opinion, gives me everything that I need to know about bringing a new product or a service to market. Definitely check that one out if you haven't checked it out yet. If you guys want the written-up summary, the PDF summary of this one, go to CutTheCrapPodcast.com and sign up. All you need to do is give me your first name, last name, and email address, and you'll have instant access to all of these summaries written up in PDF format. Now, we actually received some really good feedback recently. I threw out a survey to a random selection of listeners, and um, you guys apparently don't like to receive the emails from me on a weekly basis, and that you guys just like to have access to it. So I'm going to take that into consideration. I don't want to be sending you guys emails if you don't want them. But the feedback was good. They said that if I have something very important to say, then feel free to email. The problem is if you receive my emails on a weekly basis, you're not going to be as responsive to them. So I appreciate that feedback. I'm going to be sending out all of the summaries once a month only. If you guys want access to the summaries, all you have to do is go to cutthecrappodcast.com. Sign in using the password that I'll send to you when you sign up. And very simply, you'll have access to all the summaries that you need right there. All right, my friends, that is a wrap. I got to cut it short here because my voice is dying on me. Like I said, I had the conference all last week and um, lost my voice, feeling sick. So I got to repair, recharge, and get back to it. But don't forget to tune into Thursday's episode where we talk to Joel Siminiak. Joel Siminiak has helped a multitude of different entrepreneurs help take their ideas and turn it into products, turn it into services. He's a wealth of knowledge and he shares with us some really great stories about taking this whole process and putting it into practice. You definitely want to tune in for that one because it's going to make sense of this whole entire process because he's got the experience of doing that himself. So definitely tune in on Thursday for that, you guys. So until then, I hope you guys have a fantastic week and we'll talk to you soon. Have a good one, you guys. You get yourself in a state of certainty that this is going to work. I'm going to find a way. And if this doesn't work, I will make the way. Then you tap a lot more potential. And when you're certain in your potential, you take massive action. When you take massive action, you really believe in something, you get great results. When you get great results, your brain goes, see, I told you I was a stud. People tell me all the time, oh, I'm skeptical or I'm pessimistic. I said, no, 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 you're gutless. It takes no guts. It takes no courage to be a pessimist, to say it's not going to work, to try to find out what's wrong. What's wrong is always available. It's always what's right. So I'm not into positive thinking, but I am into intelligence. And intelligence says, see it as it is. Don't make it worse than it is. 
The only way it gets better is if you can see how it is. Don't make it worse than it is. Don't try to make it so it's impossible to change. That's not true. It's not true at all. The second mandate, I think, to changing anything in your life, to believing your life, is once you see it as it is, not worse than it is, then you gotta see it better than it is. Because that's the thing that's missing from most relationships. There's no vision. I mean, without a vision, people what? Perish. And when a relationship has no vision for greater than where they are, that relationship is going downhill, if not destroyed. I believe that every relationship, every part of life, every part of a human being needs a compelling future. If the future's not more compelling than today, Today could be tough, but if the future's compelling, we can get there. So just to remind you, first thing you gotta do is feed and strengthen that mind. Read, listen, feed the mind, take control of that focus, stand guard of what other people are saying, focus on what it is you're here to give, what you can control, what you can make happen. Number two, feed and strengthen that body. Remember, fear, uncertainty, they're physical experiences. So the best way to deal with something physical is get physical. Change that body, go lift some weights, go for that run, do something that's gonna get you in that state. But get that hour of power going, that 15 minutes to thrive, if you're familiar with that, to train your body and mind to be strong again. Number three, make sure you put yourself in that position where you find a role model that's gonna inspire you and show you that way. Maybe it's a contrasting role model. You think your life's so tough? Find somebody with tougher who's really turned it around. Or maybe it's just somebody who's really succeeded. You can now see there is a way. There's a way through. There's a way to make this happen, even in the toughest times. There's always a way. Four, make sure you get yourself into action. Get a plan. Take massive action. And then number five, most importantly of all of them, feed your spirit. Feed and strengthen your spirit. And there's only one way to do that. It's to find what you're grateful for and to take time, whether it be prayer for you or just taking a moment to think about what it is that's so lucky in your life. There's, there's a rejuvenation in our spirit when we stop taking things for granted. And when most importantly, what feeds your spirit is to give, to find a way to do something for someone else who's worse off than you are. Because what is this all about? It's about strength and it's about perspective. It's about action. It's about emotion and it's about heart. And so many people, you know, miss the opportunity to feel like their life makes a difference. I'm a big believer that motive does matter, that why you do something, people can feel. That people may be skeptical, they may have their judgments or their fears because they've been through so much, but in my experience, ultimately, why you're doing something, people feel. And if you're doing this because some part of you knows that you're here in life, not just to get, but to give, then there's a spark that happens in other people because they feel the genuineness of that, and there's a spark that happens in you because it reminds you what you're made for.